It's the month of October. Nobody cares when you won. It's how many times you won. Plus, is there a chance that an international side that is not Europe could definitely be stronger over the next decade than the European Ryder Cup side when it goes up against the United States and records being sent on the LPGA, Annika-like and Tiger-like. And a guy goes to Spain and wins in his home nation, and it's not John Rahm. It's all coming up on the Five Clubs Conversation. Welcome into this Five Clubs Conversation. I'm Gary Williams. Great to have you with us as always. You know, sometimes when you do an assessment of who wins, that's important. But where they win, how they won, sometimes can be equally as important. As we take a look back on the week that was in the professional game, it really is as much about how they won as to who won. You consider the fact that when we start on the European tour and as we assess all these different winners, when you win in your home nation, as Rafa Cabrera Bayo did, it's a massive, massive pressure cooker that you have undertaken and achieved. And he did just that. The headliner being John Rahm, and for John to go there as the number one player in the world, I think speaks to who he is. And the fact that he would go and honor that commitment is a big, big deal. And it looked like halfway through the golf tournament, he was going to be the winner. Rafa Cabrera Bayo is somebody who, when you look back five years ago, he was on a European Ryder Cup team and appeared that in his mid-30s when it was going to have great achievement. Well, that didn't necessarily happen. He had dipped to below 230. Also, the little caveat, when the pandemic hit at the Players' Championship back in 2020, March of that year, he was actually stuck in the United States and wound up spending a number of months in and around the Ponte Vedra area just trying to stay sharp. And he was away from, by and large, all of his family members. Well, his number in the world rankings dipped, his performance dipped, and until yesterday really had not had a legitimate opportunity to contend and win. Well, he won the Spanish Open, which is a huge victory for anybody who's from the nation of Spain, but to do it with the number one player in the world in the field, that is a big, big deal for Robert Cabrera Bayo, and now his world ranking is going to jump significantly. And now he has an opportunity, obviously, in 2022 to kind of fortify himself in the world game and also his place as far as getting exemptions into the biggest events. And when we shift gears from that to what happened on PGA Tour Champions, look, I don't know necessarily if Phil Mickelson is better than everybody else on PGA Tour Champions, but at the age of 51, and considering the fact that he has only played now in four events and he's won three of them, it speaks to the fact that if he did this on a full-time basis, he could maybe approach historic numbers as far as wins accrued and also his performances on a week-to-week basis. It's not going to happen. He's going to cherry-pick here and there. The reason he was even in Ponte Vedra Beach and at Tim Aquana was because of his relationship with Jim Furyk and he did the best thing he could have done for Jim. He won the golf tournament. And to do what he did by coming off a period of, of, yeah, he had played in Napa, but really inactivity for him, the fall has been an unusual time for him. He's very, very good on the West Coast, on the PGA Tour, as he has been throughout his career. But Phil Mickelson to PGA Tour champions has found money. For him to go and play there a handful of times a year, I already think that the the tour is in the best place it's been in 
in a number of years. You have the commitments on a relatively full-time basis from guys like Jim Furyk, who every once in a while is going to still play occasionally on the PGA Tour. But you have Ernie Els, who's fully committed. You have Retief Goosen, who is fully committed. And I think now that Steve Stricker has the Ryder Cup in his rearview mirror, I think that you are going to get him on a regular basis. So this speaks to a couple things. I think that sponsorship and participation, and I'm talking about fan participation, is going to spike for PGA Tour champions. You have a number of guys who are already members of the World Golf Hall of Fame. You have a guy in Padraig Harrington who just turned 50 in the month of August, who now has the Ryder Cup on the back end of his resume, who will probably play on a regular basis on PGA Tour champions. So I think the competitive level of the tour itself is in the best place it's been in in a long, long time. It also means a couple things for guys who've been out there. Guys like Colin Montgomery, Miguel Angel Jimenez, Fred Couples, Woody Austin, Jerry Kelly, guys who you consider to be uh, really the strength at the top of these fields, it's going to be more infrequent that they win. And that gets to the guy who's been chasing 45, and that is Bernhard Langer. When you consider that Bernhard Langer has done more at the age of 60 and beyond than any of the other, uh, the other guys who had won a ton in their 50s, who never got anywhere close to what Halerwin did by winning 45 times. And I'm talking about Lee Trevino and, and guys like that who won so much in their 50s and then it all dried up. Bernhard Langer has won more in his 60s than the other top five winners all time on PGA Tour champions did collectively in their 60s. That speaks to him approaching something that I never thought was going to have a great deal of merit. And here's the other thing. I never thought that anything that anybody did after the age of 50 could get them into the World Hall of Fame. And Langer was getting in anyway. I do think now that there is an opportunity for a player. And I'm not necessarily sure who that guy is because I don't think any of them are going to do enough that they weren't on the doorstep of possibly getting into the World Golf Hall of Fame. But I do think that Bernhard Langer's days of winning, I think he might win one additional time. But when Phil Mickelson shows up, he's the betting favorite, and he's going to be for any time that he plays. And that could mean four-round events, which means I think his chances of winning are even greater because over the course of four rounds, if he's already proven in these three-round events that he's better than everybody else, there's no reason to think that he wouldn't be even better over the course of four rounds. So four-round events, which includes all your over 50 majors, if there is no conflict, he plays in them. That makes him the betting favorite. So that knocks down the chances of all the other guys like Bernhard Langer, Jerry Kelly, and the like to possibly win. So for PGA Tour champions, you take it when you can get it. And believe me, for Phil to, to play in this event, I don't know what the numbers are. And when you look at ratings on PGA Tour champions, particularly on an NFL Sunday, now they're going to be really, really modest. But his ability to attract people just out of curiosity, the fact that he is possibly contending, the merit of how valuable the wins are remains to be seen. Look, winning anywhere is important. And there is something that I have heard since the first time that he teed it up on a, a PGA Tour Champions event was from a few guys in the fields wondering why he was even there. Look, nobody ever groused about Lee Trevino, Chichi Rodriguez, 
and and Gary Player, Arnold Palmer, Jack Nicholas. I think when you look at Phil and you look at the profile of the, the number of times that he's likely to play, it's going to be in the range like Jack. Jack played between five and seven times. Usually it was a, a major event. It was a four-round event. I think in Phil's case, because of relationships and circumstance, maybe there's a, a, a few more times. But if you were a member, I would take it. Because if you look at in terms of purses, if you you look at interest level and you look at sponsorship, they have managed to, to maintain a, a full schedule with some lapses in weeks where they have not played. But the fact is their purses have, not only have they plateaued, they've been leveled off for a long, long time. If you have him committing to playing on a, on a somewhat semi once every four weeks basis over the course of the year, there's an opportunity where a handful of these events might be able to see a purse increase. And for some of these guys who, who played at a time pre-Tiger where they didn't see the lion's share of, of purse increases, and I'll give you a perfect example. If you look at the careers of Fred Couples and Davis Love III, and by and large, they're, they're kind of a wash when it comes to wins. Now, yes, Davis Love won 21 times to, to Phil's or pardon me, to Fred's 15 on the regular tour, but if you look at top 10s, top 25s, if you look at the breadth of, of their career on the, on the regular tour, it wasn't that dissimilar. What is dissimilar is the fact that Davis Love managed to remain relatively competitive for five years during Tiger's giant spike as far as what he did at the turn of the century and from 2001 to, say, 2006, being out there on a on a week-to-week basis, Davis loves the thirds. His career earnings almost three times that of Fred Couples, and that is true when you look at guys throughout time. And if you look at guys who had five years of Tiger money, from 2001 to 2006 and seven, Mike Weir is another great example of a guy who saw the great spike, and now Mike is out there. And you consider Mike's appeal in Canada and him playing on a regular basis and being a major champion and one of the most significant guys in the history of, of Canadian golf, PGA Tour Champions is in a very good place. Another good place as we turn our attention to the LPGA, Jin Young Ko. What she's doing has created a conversation for the end of the year, and I'm talking about player of the year. She's now won three times, and the value and the weightiness of winning a major championship that Nellie Korda has obviously overrides anything that Jin Young Ko has. But now having the three wins, she's created a conversation because they're now one and two in the CME race to the globe, which is going to occur in the month of November. She's going to go home and play in her home nation. Nellie Korda is not going to go over there. And you consider the fact that in Nellie's three wins, above and beyond that, all of her other results, non-top tens. Her three wins are her top tens on the season, whereas with Jin Young Ko, production through her schedule is, is superior to Nellie Korda. And two other things regarding Jin Young Ko. She now has 14 straight rounds in the 60s, which equals a mark set by Annika Sornstam about 15 years ago. She's going home to possibly eclipse that number of 15 straight rounds in the 60s. So that number... And, and her overall winning percentage, if you look at the number of times that she has won, 
as it relates to starts, it's tiger-like. And when you look at her win total now in her career, she is 26 years of age, and she already has 10 wins in her LPGA career. I think that Jin Young-Ko has not only created a quantitative race as far as the race to the globe, I think she's, rated an in, she's created an intellectual conversation in the racing of people's minds as to whether she could possibly take that title away from Nelly Korda appear earmarked for it about four weeks ago. And finally, on the PGA Tour, it was Sun J.M. The inevitability of, of Sun J.M. winning again, it wasn't a question of how long it was going to take. It was just a question of when it was going to happen. And if you look at him and if you look at how young he is, how much production he gets out of his schedule because he plays virtually every week on the PGA Tour, he is somebody who is bound to probably be an annual winner, and he is somebody who is likely to, to pile up 8 to 10 to, to potentially on the high end, 12 top 10s over the course of a season. He's already won Rookie of the Year. He won the Honda. And now, by virtue of what he did yesterday in Vegas, get, by getting to 24 under par in a four-round event, and it looked like he was going to possibly get to 26-27, and then he put together just a, a, a strew of pars to finish his round. He's still won by four. Winning by four on the PGA Tour happens very infrequently. And when you outpace a field, no matter how strong or ordinary or weak the field might be, by four shots, that's heady company. It doesn't happen very much. But a couple other things to note about the first page of the leaderboard in Vegas. Matt Wolf finishing second is a big deal. If he is healthy, and I mean healthy of body and healthy of mind, uh, I think the story of Matt Wolf becomes very, very interesting. Not that it was not anything but, but I think more interesting the more competitive he is as he heads into 22 because Victor Hovland and also Colin Morikawa have already represented Europe and the United States respectfully in the Ryder Cup, and they did that in 21. Can Matt Wolf be good enough to po possibly crack a lineup that includes maybe 15 to 18 deep? And speaking of deep, with Sun J.M. winning, and I started looking at the potential President's Cup team for the international side that's going to be captained by Trevor Immelman. Louis Eustazen, Cam Smith, Mark Leishman, Eric Van Royen, Joaquin Neiman, Abraham Anzer, Siwoo Kim, the two guys from Canada, Mackenzie Hughes, Corey Connors, the Masters champion Hideki Matsuyama, and then you have a guy like Christian Bissedenhout, Lucas Herbert, Emiliano Grillo, Garrick Higo, Carlos Ortiz, and then you add a veteran like Adam Scott, I think that there is a good chance. Now, again, they've got to win one of these, but they were very competitive in Korea. They were ultra competitive. They were, they were just that in Korea, but they were ultra competitive at Royal Melbourne. Winning on American soil and creating some sense of urgency, not only for the United States team, because all they've done is won these with the exception of one time, but, but winning here in America, and it, it's going to be a tall order, Doing it over here has been an impossibility for them. But if you look at the depth on the international side, I think it's reasonable to suggest that the International President's Cup team may be more competitive. And again, the United States has got to win the Ryder Cup on the road. They'll have the chance to do that in Italy. But 
I think the international side could be more interesting and more compelling. I'm not saying it overrides and is going to be, be more interesting than the European Ryder Cup team just because of the history that is on the side of that event. But I think that if they win in the United States, it's game on for the next 10 years because the United States has got to do this every single year. That is a wrap on the week that was in the professional game this week. Very good field at the CJ Cup on the PGA Tour as they stay in Vegas for two weeks. And for all the media members, including Steve DiMeglio, apparently was holed up at a Las Vegas strip hotel for 12 days. I feel for the housekeeping department of that said hotel. Have a great week. And Riggs from Barstool Sports will be our guest. You will hear that interview that's going to drop this Wednesday right here on Five Clubs Golf. Have a great week. Thanks for tuning in. We'll talk to you on Wednesday. Wednesday.